0: You want your five star matches? <laughs> you want your 30 minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> Good ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of the Slapping Meats Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randall Beatley. Um sorry, just all my train of thought. Um it's uh it's been a morning already. I typically record this on Tuesday nights. Um so if my voice sounds like I just woke up, it's because I just did. Um but Tuesday night I, I I couldn't record. Here's why. My Boston Bruins are on, and I had to watch them make history. Um, I hardly ever get to see them being that I live in North Carolina, hardly ever get any of their games on local TV. Um, and so when they're on TV, I'm watching them. Uh, that's just sort of how I am with my sports teams. When they're on, I'm watching them as, as much as I can. Um, and so typically I record the Wednesday show on Tuesday night knowing that I'm off Wednesday so I could stay up later and then sleep in later and then have the episode sort of scheduled to um to post you know by itself um and that didn't happen because like I said I was watching the hockey game and we made history which um most ever points if you've watched hockey you know when there's a win loss record so we have the most wins now in in NHL history but they also give you a point quality for each win i think it's two points per each win one point if you lose in overtime um and so we have 133 points and that's how they determine the playoffs isn't by win loss but by points so you could technically have like 50 wins and you know, uh twelve overtime losses, that's a total of a hundred and twelve points and be higher placed in the playoffs, you know, than someone with sixty wins and two overtime Now I don't know the points of this. The um, that doesn't really, that doesn't, that statement doesn't add up now that I look at it, but if you have like 50 wins and 12 overtime losses, you'll have more points than someone with 55 wins and three overtime losses, something like that. Anyway, let's get to wrestling, because that's what we're here for. That's what y'all are here for. I'm just saying, if the voice sounds like I just woke up, it's because I do. Um, I have my headphones on, and it's plugged into the mic so that I can hear it. And I think I sound like Alex Jones right now. If you don't know who he is, don't look him up. The internet won't tell you who he is anyway because he's been banned on literally every platform. Anyway, um, let's go over some some of this wrestling. So we got a good show for you. We're going to go over some overall, not all overall, but we'll, we'll hit some key points that I want to talk about. Um, we'll go over uh, Bret Hart's in the news again. Not for good reasons. Not, for, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad reason, but Bret Hart's name appears, and I'm going to talk about that for a minute. And then we got uh, a very interesting question from the Discord at in the show. Um, I'm only going to do one. Uh, this one's a very complicated question, and so um, it's a very complicated answer as well. So let's go into that. Um. It's what we call like a raw review, Um, and here's what I'll say. I can only review like the first 25 minutes of the show because I fell asleep. I have finally found the cure for my insomnia. This was the first time ever in a long time that I can remember that I fell asleep at 9 p.m. and slept all the way through the whole night, didn't wake up once, (laughs) <laughs> um it, yeah so I fell asleep literally at like 8 30 uh you know when you fall asleep on like a chair like a recliner and like you just wake up you like force yourself awake so like that happened and I was like I'm not staying up obviously I'm tired let's go to bed this show sucks anyway uh so I could only review to you the first like 25 minutes and even in that I don't even remember what happened half of that I was like not paying attention I'm not saying Raw is bad, right? Uh, I am saying it's just not good. Um and Dominic Mysterio is the last thing I remember actively watching. Um so Ray Mysterio starts the show um and then Dominic interrupts him and like so Ray says Dom's name and Dom then walks out and has a perfect line. Like the like the, the promo would have been good. If he didn't stumble on it, and, and and the line was supposed to be "get my name out of your mouth," right? That would have been a, a cool line, like "hey, you don't deserve to say my name because you're a deadbeat dad" type thing. That would have been cool, but instead, Dom walks out there and says, "get your name out of my mouth." Like, Dom, what the <laughs> what the what the hell? But it didn't even come out that clear because Dominic isn't. Been, hasn't been trained on promos enough that when you mess up a word, you just keep going, right? Everyone will tell you in sports business, you just keep going when you make a mistake like that. Um, in the in like the entertainment world, you just keep going. Um, but I'll give an example. So, um, I let's see. When I was in like tenth grade. I was like four, um, about 14, 15, I started guitar lessons. Um, and the place I was taking the lessons from, they required you once every two months or something like that. They did like a big, a big performance where everyone who was taking lessons with them had to perform just one. It's to get you used to playing in front of people. And two, the owner of the facility just wanted to make sure, the, and the managers just wanted to make sure that the, the people giving lessons were worth a damn, basically. Um, and um, So I started guitar lessons, right? And this was very early in my lesson that we were playing, so I didn't really know chords. It was just individual notes, and we were playing like Beethoven, which I found boring as hell. Uh I'm just be completely honest like I just wanted to play and I didn't even want to be like heavy metal guitar solo type I just wanted to play rhythm guitar on on an acoustic um the idea was that I would you know could I could know a few chords start a band and I could be like the lead singer and lead singers never I'm not going to say never but most of the time the lead singer doesn't play the the solos he just plays the rhythm and it's like four chords right um, for every song that he, right, or, or that he plays like four chords. And, he, and a lot of times the the lead singer doesn't strum all the time. If you actually notice on a lot of live performances, especially in like country music, when when, uh, when a singer pulls out a guitar, especially if it's an acoustic, they're not playing. It's not plugged in. Or if it is, they're playing like three chords every two minutes. Like it, they're not doing much. Um, and so that's basically what I want it to do. Um, and so I know like four chords on a guitar. I could somewhat play it. It's not necessarily the best. I'm not like super heavy metal solo type player. I'm, I'm not one of those guys, but I can play the guitar. But the point that I'm trying to say is, is, um, when we got up on the stage, You know, I've only been practicing for, you know, I think at this point was like six months. But this song in particular, about a month and a half. And so my teacher, we go in the back, we tune the guitar, we we, we go through it again just to make sure I got it. And he says, hey, when you're on the stage, I know you're going to be nervous. If you mess up a note, don't worry about it. Just go to the next one because, you know, we're, we're trying to play a song. And the thing is, if I like mess up a note in the middle of a song, I can't just restart the song or stop the song to play the correct note, right, and so same thing applies here, or even when, uh, now I never played in any, like, school musicals, uh, like, big roles, but there were, like, small, small little roles that I would play in, um, for some things at school, I'm not an actor, but, uh, I sort of filled in as, like, extras, like, I've always said, like, um, for example, like, the show Outer Banks, um, they film in in Charleston, South Carolina, which is only about a four hour drive from me. And I've always said, I, and I told, I actually told a couple friends and, and my family this the other day that if, when Outer Banks starts filming season four, when they call for extras, I'm putting my name in. Now a lot of times they want, um, people that you know look good, and I don't play the play the part. I'm a little bit a different uh demographic than than what they're probably looking for but as an extra i'm just thinking i don't even have to be on camera i could be in the back like just i don't i don't know what do extras do right and and so like, like if you think about the show outer banks like first off there's only one reason i would ever go on that show watch the show and you'll figure it out uh but uh that's just my plug for it you'll you'll follow first off to any adult watching that show, you would think, "Oh, this show's not for me. This is definitely for the teenagers," um, and that's where it was marketed to. It was marketed to the teenagers. I don't know why I'm talking about a TV show and a wrestling podcast, but anyway, we'll we'll continue it on here in a minute. But like Outer Banks was promoted to teenagers because that's the key demographic. That's who they were aiming at. But let me tell you something. I've always believed. I've always believed this, and I believe this is a C.S. Lewis quote. A very good children's story, and I'm going to consider uh, teenagers children because that's what they are. They're not adults yet. A very good children's story not only has the attention of children, but it has the ability to make adults feel like children again. If you write a children's story and only children like it, you wrote a bad story. Because you have to, right? You have to have the adult, and it's sort of the same way as WWE. If you get the children and the adults, like the, the parents, have to enjoy it, right? Or else they're not going to let the children read, because they're the ones having to read the children's story to the child, right, while they're growing up. Right? But if you just write a story for a teenager and it doesn't appeal to a broader audience, you're not going to make you're not going to make much success off of that show because how many teenagers? you know, have Netflix by themselves. I'm sure it's a bit more than, than I'm thinking of, but, you know, that's that's the point, right? But in, the point that I'm trying to say here is in acting and, and musical performance and and speech giving, if you stutter on a word or misspeak a word or a note or a chord or, or right? Now in acting, they'll just redo the scene, but you continue through for the most part. They could put scenes together, Right? Um, But if you mess up, just keep going, especially if it's a live performance, right? And so this is a live performance, Dom. You don't have the ability to say, get my name out of, you don't have the ability to, you have, first off, you got to teach him to give better promos. I think he's insecure in himself. I really do. I think Dom is not as secure in him, in his character as he is when Priest and Finn and, and Rhea are there to sort of back him up. Because he was out there by himself on Monday, for until the judgment day came out to, to defend him. But when he's out there by himself, I don't think he's as confident because there's no backup there to sort of back up his. And I'm not. Uh, and and uh, and this was made. This was a quote made in the the Discord that I'm in. It it sounds there was no chemistry, between, the two of them, uh, in terms of just talking. Or right? you would figure if they talk on a normal basis, hey Dom, hey Ray, here's what we want you to portray. Go act like this is a family conversation, right? And you're disagreeing with each other or whatever, right? There was no chemistry. It felt like they don't even talk to each other outside of work. That's it's just a weird. It, it was just a weird promo. Um, and that's all I that's all I watched overall. I remember Lita got attacked. They took the belts off of them. But I think I fell asleep in the middle of that match and woke up right as Trish was turning on Becky. So after that, I turned the TV off and I went to bed. So I don't, I didn't watch the rest of Raw. Don't necessarily care to watch the rest of Raw. I got some recaps on TikTok now. The last thing I want to talk about with Raw now, is the uh, the difference between sort of the casual wrestling fan and their uh review of this week's raw and the IWC's review of this week's raw so in my discord that I'm in for wrestling it's not my server it's another server but it's one that I'm in and um everyone was like this episode is kind of bad this is it's okay but there was too much fit right everyone was sort of just down on it and so the, the casual fan says you know what I don't even know if this show is worth watching right um and we were joking about it and every, and we, we critique it and and we are very critical I'll be honest with you and this I think the best people in the world are people who can criticize something they love I love WWE but I criticize the hell out of it the sign of I think a mature human being is that they can critique something that they love. I love New England sports the Red Sox suck The Patriots are mediocre now the Celtics better win a title this year because I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to have their pairing together before they start getting outbeat right the Bruins I have nothing to critique about them. 133 points, 63 wins and excuse me, 64 wins now, with the potential of a 65th on Thursday. There's nothing to critique about them. But if they don't win the cup, I get we have history. But you, you're the best team ever known in the in the league, and you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. There would be some critique there, right? So I love sports. I love my teams. I love WWE. Because I love it so much, I want it to be up to my standard, and so I critique it. Right? But I get on the, the IWC, especially with, like, Triple H's booking. God forbid Triple H puts on a poor performance as a booker. It's automatically up. Vince was in control of this show. Triple H can do no wrong. Right, Automatically. Right? And so the IWC comes in of like, so the first video, I woke up Tuesday morning. Well refreshed, I fell asleep at nine o'clock right I went to bed at nine o'clock right we slept through the night no no uh no wake up typically like I don't fall asleep till one or two in the morning and I'll wake up at like six like thirsty as hell like dry mouth thirsty as hell, having to go use the bathroom and just disturbances in my life right? but I woke up best night of sleep I've had in forever. And I woke up Tuesday morning at like 7 a.m., which is rare for me, but I guess the earlier you go to sleep, the earlier you'll, you'll wake up. Perfectly understood and understandable, right? <laughs> um, and I felt refreshed. And so I got on TikTok, and well, the first thing I saw was, boy, Triple H cooked last night. And I said, oh, they, they must have had a good episode. And then, then he went through the show, and I'm like, oh, so it's just a bunch of filler. And so... Here's here's what I'm going to say the key differences between the IWC fans and me, and I'm going to use me as casual fan. I'm not going to say I'm not going to group all the casual fans into me, but here's how the IWC differs from me, and I'm more of a casual fan. All right. So for me, I honestly do not care how many wrestling matches you have on your weekly program because your weekly program to me is supposed to be the setup to the bigger match. If 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 people looked at wrestling the way I did, where wrestling matches are are catalyst, they're props, they're they're on the show they're only there to 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 move plot. I personally, like Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes, that's a match that got um solidified for backlash I'm assuming it's going to be the main event which tells me Roman will not be there which tells me I'm right I had someone I don't remember where it was at say why would Roman miss the big these bigger shows and in, and in, uh and Puerto Rico and and I think he could even miss Saudi potentially I think Brock Lesnar is going to stay through Saudi to give them that big that big bump in sales because Roman's not going to be there and I'm telling uh, in, in wrestling, especially WWE, it's very um, repetitive, right? Charlotte Flair's gone until SummerSlam. Roman Reigns is gone until SummerSlam. This happened. The big stars, you know, they're not going to be there. Now, Charlotte does the good thing and drops the title every time she leaves. But I think with Roman's story, you can have him take his little two-month, three-month hiatus and still create storyline out of it because of the island of relevancy gimmick and right but but to me Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes should never meet in the ring for a match ever until they get to Puerto Rico. Um they shouldn't be I don't even want to see him really face to face. The best way for this to happen is have Brock on his farm in Saskatchewan giving promos, you know, From his front porch rocking chair about how, Cody, you got a taste of what I can do when I get to Puerto Rico, right? Have him do promos from his farm. Have Cody do promos from his training school of him training to fight Brock Lesnar. And don't ever have them meet on TV. I don't want to see... Like, I, I personally hate when they do these contract signings because the contract signing should be, you know, done off-camera backstage. And I've never really understood why two WWE-signed superstars needs to need to sign contracts for matches. If you're an employee of the WWE, which technically I get it, they're not employees, they're individual contractors or independent contractors. Um, but if you are in the WWE and your general manager tells you what match you're going to do, which is essentially what Adam Pearce is, why are we signing a contract? All it is is trying to be like UFC, and we know how they end every single time. I hate contract signings, right? I, I absolutely hate them. They make no sense to me. No, oftentimes, no storyline gets told. You could literally do have a, the same type of segment where you have you see Brock Lesnar walk in to Adam Pierce's office. And you see Cody Rhodes walk into Adam Pearce's office and then they come out and the contract signed, right? You don't have to do that in the middle of the ring. I think a lot of wrestling promotions have this idea that everything needs to happen in the ring. It doesn't. You can have backstage segments. You can have, you know, off-scene segments and I think it would be fine because it is a TV show. Not everything needs to happen in the ring. Um, and so... The difference between the IWC and the difference between me, right, between the both of us, is that I don't care about wrestling matches. They're props to promote storyline, and, and 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 I don't necessarily care about them. They could be, you know, Dave Meltzer, two-star quality matches. As long as they push storyline and I'm somewhat entertained by them, cool. And again... I only care about matches in which the storyline for them fighting makes sense. And there's there's a lot of it. You have to have a good story for me to be interested. Right? And so the idea of just putting on random matches that have literal zero meaning for three hours, I don't have any appeal in that. It just doesn't appeal to me. And I get um, Alpha Academy... And the Usos, from what I've been told, is the match of the night and um, that they, they, they cooked, right? And I, I get that. I get you're going to get some good matches. The problem is there's zero storyline as to why the Usos would be fighting Alpha Academy. There's zero storyline, right? So the difference is... What From what I understand is the IWC cares more about matches than they do story quality, and I care more about story quality than I do matches. You'll have people in between both. You'll have people in the IWC that think story is important but that the matches are more important. You'll have people in the IWC who 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 have literally said, and my brother is one of them. I'm going to go ahead and straight call him out. My brother is one of them. where He has straight up said that... He does not care about stories whatsoever. whatsoever excuse me. All he cares about is the work in the ring. and that He's a big AEW fan, which shouldn't be a surprise to you. He basically, basically has insinuated that Tony Khan can just put on eight matches a night with zero storyline, and he would still think that that's a better show than anything on Raw or, or SmackDown. Um, and, and, and to me, I have no interest in that. I just don't. I don't have any interest in watching a TV show that has zero plot. Because at the end of the day, I've always said this. I've been very consistent with this over the last few years. If I just wanted to watch two men fight, I'd watch real fighting. I'd watch the UFC. I'd watch uh, boxing. If I wanted just to watch two people fight in the ring, I'd watch something that I know isn't pre-planned. Right? So, there's Raw. That's a little bit too long for what I wanted to do for Raw, but hey, that's what you got. All right, so now we're going to move on to Bret Hart. Now, he's in the news again, and I have a reason for why this happens. I have a reason for why this happens, or at least a thought. The reason why Bret Hart tries to keep his name in the press and why Ric Flair does everything he can to try to keep himself in the business. First off, a lot of these guys are narcissists, but second, they're carnies. Right at, at, at the very essence of who they are, they can't let the business go, right? And I, and while I was planning for the show, and I was like, I'm going to say that, and and people are going to be like, well, if you were a big time wrestler, wouldn't you want to continue to make money? No, let me let me explain to you this. If I was a wrestler on, on let's say the level of Ric Flair was in his prime, if I was that type of wrestler, I would not want to be in the business for very long. You know, The Rock, I would be like The Rock, right? The Rock got very big and then left, right? He he made his little run. He, he When you look at The Rock, AJ Styles, right? And you think about AJ Styles, how long, I mean, he's been here since 2016. It doesn't feel like he's been here that long. He's been here long, he's been in the WWE longer than The Rock was. The Rock was only in the WWE for what, what, like four or five years? If that and then he'll come back on a on occasional trips for the 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 uh nostalgia moments but he hardly comes back now i would be some similar to the rock in that fashion and that i would only want to be here for like a, a 5 to 6 year run at, at my best make the money that i that i can make if i'm a top be if i'm the top paid star make the money that i can make Right. 10, 15, 20, 30 million over the four, five, six, seven years and then get out of the business, save that money and never come back to the business. Not because I don't care about it, but because my work is done. I feel once someone retires like WWE tries too hard to bring back these old timers for nostalgia and, and the old timers agree to come back because they'll take the big payday and they're just a bunch of carnies at the end of the day. A lot of the older 80s 90s wrestlers are just a bunch of carnies who can't get out of the business. And they don't know how to take care of their money and they party in a way and they or they got uh injuries that require surgeries and and they're spending a shit ton of money that they don't have. And so they 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 stay in the business. And I wish as a as a as a principal that guys like Arn didn't have to do indie shows. That that guys like uh, Buff Bagwell didn't have to do indie shows. Now he's still in good shape. I'm sure he could still go. But but guys like Ric Flair don't have to take independent bookings to do Comic Con at his age. Ric Flair should be sitting at home, you know, just relaxing. He shouldn't have to work and make money to to continue to live. And I, and especially for Rick, someone like Ric Flair. He, I just don't think he wants to let the lifestyle go. He's lived it for so long, right? And 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 with Brett with Bret Hart, I just first off, I really think he just wants to hear hear himself speak. Um, but um, anyway, with Bret Hart, he uh he he was on what podcast was this? I think it was HN Live or something like that. Uh. And he was talking about today's wrestling, and, and and I'm gonna read read two quotes from from this uh um this, this what he had to say. I'm gonna read two different quotes. They're kind of long, um. So we'll, we'll read them. And uh, he said, "quote It's all more about the glitz, the introduction, the going out to the ring, and going on on a ramp, lights and fireworks. All that's great, and I love all that stuff too." And it's almost like a different world than the wrestling that my dad used to put on. It was very black and white in in that sense that it was just good guys and bad guys. I think the old kind of wrestling is sorely missed by a lot of people. It's like, you know, if the old wrestling was around, like my dad's wrestling, we'd come to see it kind of thing. I'm trying to advise my son and help him deliver the kind of wrestling show that I would enjoy watching more you know, where the wrestler actually knows what a headlock is rather than sort of doing this scripted ballet of leaping and twirling and dancing like a bunch of ballet dancers. I don't really enjoy today's wrestling for those reasons. They've lost a lot of steps towards reality or credibility of wrestling. Wrestling, in my opinion, needs to pretend to be real. It needs to pretend really hard to be real. Always has pretended really hard, almost to the point that you would believe that it was real. I think wrestling is so far-fetched today. He continues by another quote where he says, When I see wrestlers today just slapping in the crowd going, woo, and everyone just keeps slapping one another. And these guys have welts all over their chest and blisters and their chest hurts that night. And they go, geez, I was an idiot tonight and let someone slap me on the chest as hard as he could 500 times. And my chest is killing me. That's what they used to do to the jabronis back in the old days. They would chop them, beat them, and slap them. I would never let a, let a guy slap me and chop me. Ric Flair is the only guy ever that chopped me. He usually got got to me in the end where I would tell Rick, you can give me one chop in the match to get it over with, but as far as the match goes, I'm not going to sit there and stick my chest out for some guy to slap me on the chest for an hour. That's not what wrestling is. It's not about hurting yourself. It's about or it's not about coming to the dressing room and feeling everyone knows that that it's not real, right? They all know what's going on, so why are you letting someone slap you and chop you and whip you across the chest and hurt you and you're in pain all night and you wake up the next day with blisters all over your chest and then do it again the next night? It's just stupid. And there's another quote. I don't have it the quote for you, the actual quote, but he said he was talking about uh the last AEW pay-per-view i forgot what it was. was it revolution and moxley was using the fork the fork um, and he was talking about watching that and he had to turn it off because it's just not what he likes to watch and uh, let me tell you something that was the only moment of revolution that i hate it was the fork moment so so let me um, so i'll preface my my statement on brett's quotes here as brett is still bitter i think he's bitter over how wwe has treated the owen situation the fact that the Owens situation even happened in the first place, I think he's bitter with that. I think he's bitter about the screw job. And I think he's really bitter at um, Goldberg ending his career. So I think he's a bitter old man who just wants to run his mouth, which is fine, but I think he's right here. A broken clock strikes the right time twice a day. Um, so... Here's why I think Bret Hart is correct. And we're going to split it up into two different segments. We're going to start with the first segment where he just talks about sort of the, the presentation of, of the show. Right? Where he talks about it's sort of too far-fetched, blah, blah, blah. Here's why I agree with Bret Hart. Um, Wrestling, when you get it to its core, is a very simple business. It's good versus evil in its storytelling. It's simple, right? You 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 put on very simple matches. You have the good guy, you have the bad guy, and we're going to tell you a story in the in in the ring as well as to the lead up to the match, right? I feel today's wrestling has become too complicated, right? Everyone is trying to outdo each other. You know, if, if if in if if in the match before me, the young bucks do. Uh, ten super kicks, right? And I'm in the next match now. I got to do twelve super kicks and a 450 splash for the the fans to to cheer for me because what they just right and what I believe is is we just have too much overconsumption of the complicated uh, stuff of the higher spots, right? And 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 when it becomes saturated in the industry, people, people want more. It's sort of with an addiction, right? If you're addicted to drugs or whatever you're addicted to, right? Let's say you're addicted to smoking cigarettes, right? And, and you start out and it's just one cigarette a day, right? And then three weeks later, you know, it could be two, three, four, five cigarettes a day. Next thing you know, you're smoking a pack a day. Next thing you know, you're smoking a whole carton a day because your body just needs more of the, of the, of the nicotine and of the, uh, of that high feeling. Right. And I've, I've seen this happen with people. I used to work fast food. There used to be a person that would literally take like 20, uh, smoke breaks throughout a eight hour shift because whenever they got stressed, their body would literally shut down to where they would like. And this person, whenever we told him no about going on a smoke break, he would throw a fit. Right, because he literally needed the nicotine to right and so when you're when you're watching the physical stimulus of this match or of of wrestling and you're so addicted to getting super kick, super kick, super kick, high spot, flips, flip, flip, and you don't get that in a match, your your body, your your mind's like, Wait, wait a minute, I need more and so now ten super kicks isn't enough. Now 12 is needed. And now eventually, right, you'll, you'll need the super kick parties that the, the Young Bucks put on, right, where where they'll just go around in a circle and, and super kick each other for three minutes, and then the crowd goes wild. And then I'm sitting there like, well, that was the dumbest thing ever. That didn't need to happen. That literally did nothing for the match, right? Um, and so in that case wrestling is very simple right I've always preferred wrestling at least for me personally I've always preferred the type of wrestling where I've never been a high spot guy um and I feel that today's wrestling is essentially just high impact Cirque du Soleil right it's it's a bunch of acrobats and I'm not saying they're not athletic but right and I'm not saying that some of it doesn't look good but basically, what we have today is a bunch of guys who can walk the ropes, a bunch of guys who who jump off of everything. You got Darby Allen who would fit right in the circus, doing his little uh, coffin drops everywhere, right? And I know we've historically had these, but we I think it happened, and I think everyone knows that that's the cool niche that the wrestling fans like. So now everyone's doing it to the point now. Where you have big guys, who have no no reason being on the top rope, learning how to do stuff on the top rope, because people find that cool. And I'm just gonna say something, and I and I don't have facts on this, but I, the uh, the high spots, the the um tope suicidas, the suicide dives, um that people do. I mean, we saw was it L.A. Park, the original L.A. Park die because of a a botched uh. I don't think it was the original La Park. I think it was the other one. Someone named La Park in Mexico died uh, doing a tope su a tope or a dive through the rope. I don't remember if it was a middle in in Mexico and in, in uh, lucha libre they have like tope suicida and then that's over the top rope and then have one when you go through the middle rope. I don't know all the names, right? They have a bunch of terms for it. Um, I'm sure I'd learn it if I watched AEW because what's his name? Uh, Excalibur tries to be Lucha and uh, I, I'm sorry. That Just while we're talking about him, you're a commentator. Take the damn mask off. No one cares about your little mask. I'm sorry. I, I think that's the dumbest presentation look ever. If I was a new fan to the company and they showed Excalibur on TV, I'm turning it off because it just doesn't look professional. Right. Could you imagine like Joe Rogan announcing a UFC fight with a mat uh, with a mask on? That's fucking insane. Right. But, but, but yeah, wrestling should be very simple and we've made it too complex and we've basically made it high impact chart to select. Um, now on the, the part about chopping people again, I agree. I personally, if I was a wrestler, would not allow people to sit there and, and chop me at full open fist. Open hand excuse me, you can't be an open fist because a fist is a closed hand. Oh, it's been a morning already. Uh open handed sla- I would not allow that to happen. And and I'm actually surprised that I'm actually surprised that WWE and a lot of wrestling companies are still allowing chops like that to happen after seeing what happened. If you're an NFL fan and you saw what happened with Damar Hamlin, where he took a hit direct to the chest that we would even allow as a business. I think it's, I would, as a as a performer, seeing that, I would be like, no, no one's hit me in the chest no more. Uh, if you're going to chop me, chop me something. Like, first off, you're not going to chop me like 8,000 times. I would just, I just wouldn't allow it to happen. It, I don't think it adds to the to the show. And I know, so the first thing people are going to think of is what about Gunther? That's his gimmick. He's the guy who chops, and he's right. But the chop should be his finishing move. Because, first off, it's very universal, and it it hurts, right? Um, So he should go through the whole match without chopping anyone. And this should be very protected, right? With everyone knowing that if a chop happens, that's the end of the match, right? And you could chop when they're jumping off the top rope. You could slap them. You could chop them. You know, you throw them across the ropes, right? You could pop-up slap that you could do a slap in any different ways a chop on the chest and when it happens it it knocks the daylight out of him and it ends the match that should be his finishing move it should you should go through the match he should chop you one chop and you're done that would make the, that move feel so much more important than him chopping you 600 times in a match because all that is now is just crowd affair It's 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 a lip service. It means nothing to the match where if you protected it to where one and done, whoo! That makes the move mean so much more. Right? When it happens. (coughs) Excuse me. Um And so I'm just I feel again that we've just complicated the business too much. And because of how complicated it is, fans who just want to come see a story. They they tune out because it's too complicated. Um, and so with that, that's why I think Brett is right. <clears throat> Presentation wise, everyone's so focused on the entrance. I have to have the best entrance. This is a special show. I need to dress in cosplay, I need the I need the pyro, I need the the special ring attire, the entrance attire, and I need to I need to make a statement on the way to the ring for a fake fight that means absolutely nothing. At the end of the day it means absolutely nothing, right? So we spend all this time on production and and, and production's fine. I'm not saying don't do it. Um but if it's all about the outfit, the outfit in the attire and the the pyro and the entrance and you don't perform a good match in the ring or you you just, you just, and, and I, I'm kind of hesitant to use this, this, this phrase. I don't know if I'm the first one to create it. I feel like I heard this from Cornette. I'm hesitant to use this word. I'm going to use it, but I'm a little hesitant because I don't know how, how it will be received. So many people might take this so many different ways, but today's wrestlers, we have so many people who are just spot monkeys, and I'm pretty sure I heard that from Cornette. So if, if you don't come at me, come at Cornette for saying it first, and uh, then blame me for listening to, for being dumb enough to listen to a four-hour Jim Cornette podcast. How that dude does that three, four days a week, I have no idea. He does like a three to four-hour episode every episode that I've ever seen. It's insane. <laughs> um, and so they're just spot monkeys, right? Who can flip the most, right? Who can who can do the most lip service for the fans. And it's not about the business. It's not about protecting the business. It's never right back. And that's what I respect about the eighties, the seventies, the eighties and the early nineties before we really saw a break in kayfabe is that the wrestlers cared so much about the business that they would did anything in the world to protect it from being exposed. Right. So good guys never never got seen with bad guys out in public. Especially on pictures. Right? But today you go on Instagram and you have two people who are feuding with each other and they're hanging out at the bar after at the end of the show and taking pictures and selfies and posting them on on Instagram or they're making TikToks together. Cuz no one actually cares about the business anymore. It's not about protecting the business, it's all about trying to get your character over and trying, right? And no one actually wants to be a good guy or a bad guy. I, I can see a world where wrestling is just matches and who cares about who's good and who's bad. I could literally see, see that world happening in wrestling where we're, where a face and a heel just stop and you just end up having booking the way Tony Khan has booked where we're just going to put dream matches together and, and and that's just going to be the whole show. And I could see that being the world where that becomes a regular occurrence in every single promotion. Um, And so, yeah, there's that. So now we get to the complicated part of the show, which is the question from the Discord. And it's it started as a question, but I'm not going to answer it directly. So the original question was, if I was sort of like in control of SmackDown, right? and I had, we were going into this WWE draft, and I was in control of SmackDown's roster, who would I want to see come over from Raw to SmackDown? Who would be priorities, right? And this is a very hard question. This is a very hard question to answer because at the current moment, to my understanding, I know WWE has a roster like on their website but a lot of the major stars Roman the Usos the you know the judgment day that's three well that's that's roman reigns as champion rhea ripley now as champion um liv and raquel have been switching brands they're now tag team women's champion right kevin and sammy have been switching so at the current point right now you don't really have a set roster you just sort of have a bunch of people being put on shows and, and so it's hard to say who should be moved because, I mean, Rhea Ripley should be a SmackDown superstar because she's SmackDown Women's Champion, but she's been on SmackDown. She'll be on Raw. And so it's just hard to say, hey, we, without a set roster right now, it's just sort of hard to, to, to answer that question. And so then I said, well, let me make the question one step further. Let me just do the whole draft. Let me be like commissioner of the WWE and, and announce who I would have to go to what brand. And so I started sitting down, and I, and I was like, how would I do this? Well, traditionally, they do three picks for Raw, two picks for SmackDown, and there's your round. And they do that about five or six, seven, eight times, like t- eight to ten times, right? And so I sat here, and I was like, I'm going to do a ten-round draft that's 50 picks um, with 20 going to Raw, or excuse me, 30 going to Raw, 20 going to SmackDown, that'll be fine. And then I was sitting there, I was like, I got about two rounds in, and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be harder than I think it is. And so I was like, no, scrap this idea. Because I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned with the roster after the draft. I'm just not. When it comes to the draft, there's one thing about the draft that I'm more concerned with than what what superstars go where. I will name some names, however. Like I said, Rhea Ripley needs to be a SmackDown superstar if she's going to be SmackDown Women's Champion. The rumors are the Street Profits are breaking up. Well, if we think logically here, Montez Ford is going to stay on Raw because that's where Bianca is. So that means Dawkins is going to move. Now, if the other if the other rumors are correct, and Dawkins could potentially be a member in the new uh, hurt Business, that would mean MVP, Omos, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander will all be SmackDown superstars, which is something I'm actually in favor of, right? I think, like, Seth has to stay on Raw. Cody has to stay on Raw. Um, they have to magically find a way to set... With the tag titles now, I think what you can do is have either Cody and... Have Cody and uh, Sam... Not Cody. Shit. Uh, Ko Kevin Kevin Owens and uh Sami Zayn on both brands challenging. So when they're on Raw and they're having a tag team title match, it's for the Raw tag team championships, and then have them lose one of them. I think that that's something that the baby face would do, right? With the Usos doing it, the Usos would never just challenge because they're 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 the heels, right? They're the bad guys. Um. I do think we have to somehow at least split up the tag champions during the draft at some point. And so even, I mean, I, that would be interesting in how they plan on doing that. Um, but like I said, I'm not too concerned with how the roster changes because I'm more concerned with the presentation of the draft, right? Um, and what I mean by that is the last two times that I can remember they did a WWE draft was right when they started with the Fox deal, and then a few, like a year or two after that, right? And the presentation always made the draft p- portion of the night feel like a sideshow stuck in between um, the, some random wrestling matches. And the draft needs to be a main attraction. And so... I have an idea, and I'm going to go through the idea of how I, if I was in charge of WWE, would present the draft every time we did it, and I would make it an annual event. It would be the main attraction. It would take place the Raw following WrestleMania. Now, let me explain, right? This is going to piss off the IWC. The hardcore wrestling fans who want to see Raw after Mania have all these cool little dream matches and all these returns and debuts, that we, you're not going to get that. It's going to be draft night. Now let me explain this. WrestleMania weekend is a big weekend, right? They should start the weekend, the, the SmackDown before WrestleMania, solely being the Hall of Fame event. If anyone watches the SmackDown before WrestleMania, you can attest, not much happens. The storylines already done. Contracts have already been signed. They don't really do much. It's just a bunch of filler. So just put on the Hall of Fame. Just put on the Hall of Fame. It's it, right. That's all people really care about anyway. And then you don't have to be out till midnight, in Eastern Standard Time, right? And if you're one of the European fans watching in in Europe and you're watching the Hall of Fame, you're up at like what? three, four in the morning having to watch the Hall of Fame. Just put it on when SmackDown's on. Give the give the give the boys in the back a rest to where they don't have to injure themselves in the biggest week of your company's year. Do the Hall of Fame for two hours from eight to ten. And that's your that's your start of WrestleMania week. Right? And BAM. Right, that's how you start WrestleMania off. Friday excuse me, Friday Hall of Fame night, right? Without, like, SmackDown is Hall of Fame, right? You then go on the Saturday and you do the NXT event, whether it's Stand and Deliver, whether they go back to the Takeovers, as the names doesn't really matter to me, but you have your NXT event on Saturday. You move Mania back to one day. Um, on Sunday, six, seven, eight matches. You don't really need much more than that. Not everyone has to be on the WrestleMania card. Right. So Sunday's your main attraction, WrestleMania. And then you'll go Monday after Raw, or excuse me, Monday night Raw after WrestleMania is draft night. And it's a three hour draft show. Right. The only thing that happens is the draft. And you present it in the way that the NFL draft is presented you present it as if it's a main show as if it's the main attraction of the night where you, you could have a stage set up where they walk down, they take pictures, they, you know, they shake their GM's hand, you present it that way. Um, you don't have a ring set up at all. You can have that way. You could sort of just fill in more seats, honestly, if you want to, because everything else would just happen on the stage. Or you could set like the, where the ring would be. You can put, um, you could have some commentators commentating on the draft. Right, and so you have guys like Sam Rosenberg and uh, the the guys who do the pre shows, and then you have like Michael Cole and and Corey Graves and Kayla Braxton, and and then you have uh, Byron Byron Saxton and Kathy Kelly and Kevin Patrick, you know, backstage talking to the people as they're being drafted, doing interviews, um, right, and just have this sort of big night just to reset, re-ramp the roster going into this new year of programming, right? It should be a yearly event the Monday after WrestleMania and the goal of the draft should be, and this should be, this would be painfully obvious. It it would be explained to the point to where people understand it. The goal would be starting from the raw after mania to create the best brand possible for survivor series. Where Survivor Series will be a best of seven situation, where it'll be Raw versus SmackDown. And who right, whoever wins Survivor Series, so whoever wins four matches gets the number one pick in the next draft, which is very important, right? Now what do you do between Survivor Series and Mania? Um, honestly, I think you just, you, you, you set up the fallout of that year. You set up the WrestleMania matches. Um, you set up the Royal Rumble, which should, well, really from Survivor Series to Royal Rumble, you should just be setting up Royal Rumble matches. And then from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania should just be the fallout of Royal Rumble who won the Royal Rumble. That's going to be the big feud and then setting up some other matches. And, and, again, this is more just so about the draft, right? And Survivor Series being Raw versus SmackDown, I think, would make it more entertaining. Um, and so in, in this, right, so you do your draft, and then you go throughout the rest of the eight months, right? And you could do um, each roster will have 30 people, right? Now, you could pick your 30 people however you want to pick them, um, right? And you but remember you have to put forth you know seven different matches and one of them has to be a tag team one of them has to be a women's match right so you have to have women and tag teams on your on your on your brand you can't just pick 30 single stars and right cuz i know that's going to be a, an objection well what what's going to stop raw from just picking 30 men well because they got to have a women's match somewhere on the card for Survivor Series, right? Um, and so you have 30 people on each brand, which is only about half the roster, right? If you look at the f- complete roster, including NXT, you have about 200, maybe about 150 to 200 people, right? Um, and so 60 of those will be drafted. Um, the NXT Superstar, so so what I would do with NXT, I wouldn't make every single Superstar Available to be drafted with NXT, we can do this similar to um, treating NXT as treating it as developmental, like it is, and and basically putting on matches um, where, like, leading up to WrestleMania, where if you win, you become eligible for the draft. I think that would make that's how you get NXT involved when you have guys like Braun Breaker and Zoe Stark and guys like and and people like that performers like that who who have outlived their stay on NXT you win this match you you become eligible for the for the the draft and so you have like four of them and then the rest of them remain in developmental right and if they don't get drafted they become free agents And, and so what I mean by that is each roster gets you know you're gonna have like what um 90 to 100 eligible superstars and then you'll draft 30 for each brand so you'll have about 40 people who won't be on a brand and those 40 people are typically people who already aren't on tv so it's not like a big deal um but what you can do for them is you know say i'm raw and i draft ricochet and ricochet starts losing matches because now, with this system of trying to put on the best team, you can throw in the storyline. That's the, the the through all, the string that ties the whole year together in that I'm the GM of Raw, I'm live in the crowd, and I'm scouting who I'm going to put on for my best of seven Survivor Series team, right? Right, so, so I'm trying to put a team together because if you think of it, if, of my 30 stars that I draft, right and it wouldn't even be like the 4 on 4 survivor series match. It would literally be like I need a women's match. So there's one woman. I need and then I need a tag team match, right? And then I need five singles matches or whatever whatever happens that way, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that championships are going to be up on the line. Right? It's just the the best like eight people on my roster, right? So I'm trying to put together the best roster for this, right? Um and so, throughout this, the people who aren't drafted therefore become, quote-unquote, free agents for any brand, Raw or SmackDown, to sign. Or, they could have the option of taking their name out of that and going to NXT as developmental, trying to raise their draft stock for the next draft. So, if you're someone like... Um, Trying to think of like like let's say Cedric Alexander, someone who's not on TV as much, maybe someone like Ali, who has been on the main roster, has that experience, but they decide, hey, I want to take my name out of contention here. I'm undrafted. I don't want to have to battle and and go through the the potential of not right. So I'm going to go down to the minor leagues, and I'm going to raise my draft stock for next year's draft, hoping that right and right so so you can get storylines out of this right and you can do trades so if i have roman reigns on smackdown and and raw really wants roman reigns and they all, they can offer me something like rio ripley and uh you know the whole judgment day for roman reigns i'd still decline that trade i'll be honest with you but they can offer trades and, and I think this would also be cool for, like, the social media aspect because you could have guys like Byron Saxton and Kevin Patrick and Kathy Kelly on social media discussing, like, hey, a trade was announced, breaking news, a trade was announced. Or you can go on, like, The Bump, the podcast, Corey Graves, I think, does. No, he does after the bell. The Bump is Jackie Redman and the two other guys. But you can even have on then, like, just... Hey, breaking news! A trade was just announced, and and Raw, Raw will be trading so and so to SmackDown, and 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 for this, and we'll keep you up to date to figure out the full situation, right? And th- and that would make the whole show feel a little bit more interactive to me, right? Um, but again, trades and releases are allowed. Undrafted superstars are considered free agents. Free agents can be signed, whenever. So you don't just need to stay with thirty people on your roster. You can go and. Draft your 30 people and say, hey, Ali is uh, a free agent. I'm going to sign him. But the bigger the roster you have, the harder it is for you to, right? So you're going to keep your roster as minimum as possible, right? You don't want to have 65 people on your roster when only eight of them are, because that's just too many people to scout, right? Um. So if you want to say I sign Ali and Ricochet starts losing, I can cut Ricochet right, because Ali's performing better, right? Free agents can be quote-unquote signed whenever so I can sign them, or they can go the hard way around and not be signed. They could do sort of like a showcase match where if they win, excuse me, where if they win, uh, they can earn a roster spot, right? Um, and this allows for these sort of filler matches of Ali versus Ricochet to have purpose. Because if Ali's undrafted and Ricochet's on a losing streak and I'm the GM and I go to Ricochet and say, hey, I know you're fighting Ali. And if he wins, he's going to get a roster spot. And I can go to Ricochet. bro you've already lost like four matches in a row. If you lose this one, Ali's going to take a spot. And I'm just not going to have room for losers on my brand. Ricochet, if you lose, you're cut. Right, and you can create story, you can create purpose for these filler matches, and at the same time have competition at the top of the roster where, like Roman Reigns lives for that world title, and still put in decent showing there. Right, and it gives the mid card a reason to exist. Right, and again, the GMs could go to, you know, if I'm a GM of Raw, I'm going to go to all my shows. I'm watching the show. I'm in my office. I'm writing notes. Right, I'm scouting NXT. Like, wouldn't it be cool to see Triple H as a GM of SmackDown? Just randomly show up on NXT one night. Maybe they do a background, a back scene where they walk into the Shawn Michaels office and he's talking with Triple H, and he's talking about different superstars. And then he goes out in the crowd. You know how, if you watch NXT, they have that little balcony thing that hangs over, um, where they do a lot of shots of like title champions holding their belts, challenging or whatever. Having Triple H standing up there and just scouting the matches going on, that would be freaking amazing, wouldn't you think? I think that would put a a, a that would tie the the whole sh- the whole year together, right? And so let let me know what you guys think about that idea. Um. So. Um yeah, that's, that's basically the show. That's it. That's where we'll end it. Thank you guys for, uh, watching or listening. to so you're listening. You can't watch an audio file. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, I just woke up like an hour ago. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, go to, uh, the link in my TikTok, which is at we four deep four one three, uh, the, go to the link tree. There, you'll have links to everything in there. Um, and they, if you are a big sports fan, we're approaching, approaching the NFL draft. Me and my, my buddies do another show here. It's called the calling audibles podcast. You can watch it live Thursday night at 9 PM Eastern time on the junkyard media group, YouTube page. Um, or they will be posted. The audio will be posted to like Spotify and all of that the night, the day after, and you can listen to that, um. But other than that, thank you guys again for listening and supporting. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday, and I will see you either Saturday or Sunday. I haven't haven't figured out yet when I'm going to record the next episode. I still got to come up with with some topics I want to talk about. Um, If you're in the Discord, again, send me questions. I love it. I love it. You guys give me topics to talk about. If you're not in the Discord and you're listening to this, do me a favor. Go follow the Casual Community YouTube page. Go click on a video. Give him some likes and subscriptions. Go to the description. Likes and subscriptions. I I, I say? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying half the time. Go to the description box of his videos. And I think he has the link. If not, I know in his last video he just released um, where he was talking about the Mar- uh, Super Mario movie. He has the Discord link on the screen. So just write that down. Type that into Discord. Join the Discord. Join the conversation. It's It's fun in there and uh yeah thank you guys for listening I will see you on um, sometime this weekend with a new episode and uh this is the slapping mead wrestling podcast I'll see you on the next episode